0: Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Pig Health Today, and back with me is Dr. Scott D. He's director of veterinary research for Pipestone Veterinary Services. Welcome back, Scott. Good to see you, Joe. You know, I know you're a veterinarian, but sometimes I think you should be wearing a a Sherlock Holmes hat, because you you do a lot of detective work, don't you? That's fun, yeah. And and this really comes back to uh, finding PED, in the feed and and establishing that that strong link with with that particular virus.
1: Yeah, that was some work we did at Pipestone uh, way back during the epidemic. And uh, the virus was moving around from farm to farm despite very tight biosecurity, filtration, truck wash, people showering in, all this stuff. But the virus was getting into some of our most secure sites. And our group, I'm proud to say, was the first to figure out the feed, contaminated feed could be a vehicle for the virus entry into the farm.
0: Now, you gave a presentation at the Lehman Conference about viral survival and mitigation, and again, I'm assuming that this was specific to PED. Um, Tell us about what you presented.
1: Well, we did some work uh, several years ago to try to understand how PED may have entered the country because it matched the, the virus that they recovered from the index cases in Indiana basically matched the virus in China, almost like 99.9% the same. And even the Chinese scientists said, well, it's probably came from China. And we didn't really know how. So we we created a model that simulated the movement of feed ingredients from basically Beijing to Des Moines. And we learned that certain ingredients uh, harbored the virus very well. So the PD virus survived the journey it was done at the laboratory level but under very representative conditions such as the exact time it would take for the virus to travel in a, in a cargo of feed, the type of ingredients that would come in, we used the type of ingredients. We used environmental conditions that would simulate overland and sea, um, Beijing to Shanghai to San Francisco to Des Moines basically was the model. And we showed, yes, the virus could have entered the country through certain feed ingredients. And that was kind of a wake-up call in the industry, uh, not just the veterinary industry, but the feed industry, that probably for the first time that I can remember, uh, feed was being discussed now as a potential risk factor for pathogen movement. So this presentation at the conference was a follow-up study looking at what other viruses might be able to survive in the same way, not just PD anymore but could foot and mouth disease virus or African swine fever virus or some of these foreign animal diseases, could they survive a transoceanic journey or in PERS, could PERS even survive? So we looked at foreign animal diseases but also endemic diseases.
0: And when you say you looked at them, specifically, what did you do in this study, and what were your conclusions?
1: Well, we basically repeated the PED model. So we we took the virus of of the time, you know, we worked with 11 different viruses, uh, and we, we would inoculate the ingredients, we'd put them under representative conditions, and we would test them over time to see if they were still alive. And uh, we learned that again, not just PED, but other viruses could survive in feed. Some didn't, some couldn't make the journey. They died off partway, uh, but other viruses survived very well.
0: But, and which were the big ones that survived?
1: Well, uh, African swine fever. We actually used the actual African swine fever virus working at Kansas State University in their uh, biosafety level three facility Uh, which is really cool, working with Megan Niederwerder and Bob Rowland, we were able to actually use the real McCoy, you know, that's the real virus. And they've got the ability to work with that virus under these very secure conditions. And so that was cool, so that one lived. Um, Seneca Valley virus, which causes blisters on the feet and and the faces of pigs. It's a relative of, of FMD. It's basically in the same family as foot and malt disease. So we used Seneca Valley virus as a surrogate for FMD because we can't work with FMD. Uh, and that lived very well. So you think about it, it's built the same way as FMD, it's from the same family, it's the same shape and size, got the same structure basically, they look just alike. So that, hmm, maybe FMD could also survive even though we couldn't use the real, the real virus. PERS, we learned PERS uh, actually could make the trip if it was in soybean meal or DDGs. And so certain ingredients appear to be very supportive for certain viruses. And so we started focusing on high-risk combinations. Here's a virus that lives well in these particular ingredients. These are the most risky situations to be evaluated. So it was kind of raising awareness that pathogen movement through feed might not just be limited to PED and it might be happening more often than
0: we think. And knowing the economic losses and the mortality losses that we had from PED back beginning in 2013 and and now we know about this strong link not just with between feed and PED but with these other viruses. What's what's the takeaway message or what's the conclusion in your mind? What does the industry need to do?
1: Yeah, so it's obviously a very delicate subject and we're working with the feed industry to make sure they don't feel like they're getting incriminated Mm -hmm. we're partners with the feed industry and we want to work together and they've been great i mean the feed industries have really stepped up they've provided funds they what they want to support Uh, so i give credit to say richard sellers for example at american feed institute uh, great group, United Soybean Board, Philip Lobo, great group. I mean, they're really stepping up to try to work together with us. But I think the one is, you know, just we need to raise the awareness, first of all, that the work has been done and now we need to talk about it, mm-hmm. get it out in the public, publish the work in a peer-reviewed journal so we've got a scientifically sound uh, piece of work to, to stand on. Then we start, and then we need to have some discussions about what to do. Um, And there's several things to think about, but you know, but they're all complete paradigm shifts. So it's going to take a lot of discussion, a lot of a lot of uh, time at the table. I think discussing which which path to take.
0: And we talked earlier about which viruses you looked at that were associated with, with feed but were there some that did not do well as far as uh, surviving this this acid test that you put them to?
1: Yeah, for example, uh, influenza virus did not survive in feed. Interesting. Yeah, so there are certain viruses that didn't make it at all. And I think mostly that's because of how they're made. Their structure mm-hmm. doesn't allow them to withstand the stressful environment of a dry uh, matrix, a feed matrix. Some of them are much more stable outside of the animals. and so. They, could, they were able to make the trip, like the uh, African swine fever or the Seneca Valley virus. They're, they're very, very stable viruses outside the ho- their respective hosts.
0: Now, in your presentation, you refer to some of these as transboundary diseases. You've also used the, the term foreign animal disease. Sometimes we talk about emerging disease. Um, but where are the borders on these... Um, on uh, these descriptions,
1: yeah, and I don't think there are too many borders anymore. I mean, with yeah. just showing the fact that you know these, if we might be moving viruses at a very, you know, all the time, yeah. and so I don't think they have boundaries anymore. But there are some classifications for certain diseases, yeah. you know, based on what they would do for trade or exports and right. things like that. So, but uh, that's not in my ballywick to argue those definitions. It's just. We, here's, an, here's an observation, mm-hmm. it, we've got some science behind it now, let's talk about what to do, you know, and so what path should we take? So that's kind of where we are now and we're beginning um, we're, we're beginning to look at mitigation strategies, you know, what could we add to the feed to neutralize the viruses. So if the get con- feed gets contaminated and we've got an additive in place, is that additive effective at neutralizing the virus? And so we're gonna start a very large project now looking at 10 different uh, additives across some of these high risk combinations of the right virus and the right ingredient type of a situation. So that's really gonna be exciting. And I, I do have to recognize the Swine Health Information Center that Dr. Paul Sundberg leads. They've been the ones that have funded the majority of this work and they, that group, is, is its goal is to protect the borders and to do research and set up testing programs and get the diagnostics organized and everything to make sure we're ready for a challenge and hopefully prevent the introduction of a pathogen to the United States.
0: Well, as always, Scott, you've delivered some pretty sobering conclusions, um, but also really valuable to the industry. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the chance. We've been talking to Dr. Scott D. he's director of research at Pipestone Veterinary Services. Again, Scott, thank you for your time. You bet.
1: Thank you.